Welcome back to EV News Daily. Coming up today, the three-row Ionic 7. BYD drops its prices and Lotus goes public. Plus, stay tuned, because later in the show, I'll tell you what Rivian is saying about how good or bad this year will be for their sales numbers. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Wherever you are in the world, it's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Thursday, 22nd of February. I'm Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. We are live at 5 p.m. UK. That's midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the shows ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. The United Auto Workers Union, UAW, has announced a $40 million investment to organise efforts for anyone who works in the car industry and the battery industry as well in the United States over the next two years. It's a financial commitment uh, following a vote by the UAW Executive Board signalling a proactive response to the growing organising activities within the EV sector. Uh, The investment targets uh, the EV battery industry as well, which is creating tens of thousands of new jobs nationwide. The UAW's initiative is part of a broader strategy to ensure that workers in the new battery industry have secure employment standards as well. Let's talk Cadillac Lyric, regaining the full $7,500 EV tax credit under the Inflation Reduction Act, thanks to parts sourcing. New requirements mandate that 50% of critical minerals used in EV batteries must be sourced from within North America. And a 10% increase from the previous year, battery component manufacturing in North America also saw a 10% increase in requirements. Uh, Initially disqualified at the beginning of the year because of the new stringent requirements, Cadillac adjusted the sourcing of battery separators and electrolytes, actually, making the Lyric once again eligible. As an SUV, the Lyric falls under the $80,000 price cap for tax credit eligibility, covering almost all configurations of the vehicle. That starts at $62,000 to compensate buyers of the Lyric, built before they changed the battery sourcing those that couldn't get the tax credit. Cadillac had been offering a $7,500 discount, ensuring that buyers benefited regardless of how they got the money off the vehicle. Now, let's talk Rivian. And the Q4 numbers are out. And of course, that means the yearly numbers are out as well for last year. Rivian's Q4. uh, Let's look at the net loss, first of all, because uh, uh, that's the fun number. Not fun, I'm sure, if you're running the business, but for the rest of us. uh, The net loss improved. Uh, They lost just $1.52 billion. But that's down from $1.7 billion the same time the previous year. My goodness. If ever, if ever there was an illustration, when we look at Rivian and Lucid and Tesla, of how capital intensive it is to do this shift to EVs. And these are startups as well. And how well-funded they need to be to make it. And Rivian will make it. Lucid will make it. Don't believe the doomsayers on social media. But, man, oh, man, it's expensive. Revenue, however, doubled. And again, this is the amazing story around the likes of Rivian and Lucid. Okay, so yes, they're not making the money that Tesla is making now after 17 years. But Rivian's revenue doubled to $1.32 billion 
in Q4. That's for the quarter, not for the year. That's $1.32 billion of revenue from, okay, so Rivian's been around 10 years, isn't it? you know, but they only found their groove recently from a, from a zero, which is just, I find it in, in incredible creation of value and just goes to, just speaks volumes about what everyone in these, these EV companies are doing. It's incredible. Despite revenue growth, uh, they forecast no significant increase for 2024. And that's the key, isn't it? Because Tesla for years was all about the 50% growth story every year, 50% bigger. And then last year they were like, no, that story's over now. And they didn't even say the Cybertruck was going to be a big stimulus, really. They were like, well, we're waiting for the cheaper platform. And I thought they were going to say, well, we're waiting for Cybertruck to scale. They're like, no, that won't make a difference. Wow. And Rivian saying, the same. In fact, Rivian announcing a 10% reduction in their salaried workforce as part of a cost-cutting measure. Analysts had anticipated Rivian would make 82,000 vehicles last year. Rivian recently reduced prices of the R1T and R1S, but sales weren't what analysts expecting. Uh, production was not 82,000, but 57,000 actually. The R1T now starts at $71,700, which is, you know, it's very expensive, but you get an awful lot of truck for the money. Uh, the company will unveil the R2. That is their next platform, so the R2S, the R2T um, vehicle platform for more affordable vehicles. March 7th countdown is on, and their new Georgia plant will make that vehicle from 2026. Now, let's talk Mercedes-Benz. EQS gets... Updated A prototype of the new Mercedes-Benz EQS. Uh, recently observed during road tests, the vehicle displayed the new uh, design features under some black and white camouflage, particularly the front, particularly the rear. I think many people thought that the EQS styling was a little bit Marmite, and by that I mean, uh, you know, you love it or you hate it, a little bit divisive. Expected updates include... New headlights, a redesigned air intake on the lower front face here, modified horizontal tail lights. It's not going to be a whole new look for the EQS. We know there's a new look coming for Mercedes-Benz electric cars, which will feature the grill, not the sort of printed Mercedes-Benz light-up logo in some cases and the smooth front, but they're bringing back, I think they're buyers. Mercedes-Benz buyer, well, they know their buyers. I'd be like Rolls-Royce know their buyers. And it just turns out that... Whilst aero is good, Mercedes-Benz buyers like a big silver grill and a big Mercedes sticky-uppy emblem on the front that you can polish. And so uh, that's what they want. And that's what's coming back to EVs in the next round, not this round of um, redesigns. The body retains its distinctive teardrop silhouette, I'll call it that. And uh, this one had a... um, big moonroof on the the, the the test car. So that car will be coming this year. Apple is updating iOS. iOS 17.4, and maybe you're in the beta program, maybe you've tried this already, let me know, uh, brings big enhancements to CarPlay, offering new uh, experiences on the instrument cluster in supported vehicles. Now, with the update, Apple Maps in CarPlay displays advanced navigation, including detailed upcoming maneuvers in front of you, not just the central screen. Users can switch the display between the main screen screen and the instrument cluster by using the map config button in the upper right of the map screen. The update allows any dual screen cars, and admittedly, I own one of these because we've now got the Polestar 2 in our driveway. And funnily enough, the, uh, the operating system in that is so good 
and I'm in the Apple world, not the Google world, but obviously that lives on Google. It's so good. I still haven't, having owned the vehicle for six weeks, I still haven't plugged my phone in. I mean, we have the car. Obviously, my phone's in the car in the wireless charger. But I've not taken a lightning cable out there and plugged it in to the USB-C. I just not needed to. But if I did, I'd get the CarPlay experience, and the new iOS update uh, means that I could choose which maps appear on which of the two screens. CarPlay Nav now includes two viewing options, street-level view for close-up navigation and a sky-level view for overall trip progress, much like the native Polestar experience using Google Maps. In vehicles with a single display, users can toggle between the two views. Cars equipped with an instrument cluster display uh, as a second screen for CarPlay uh, can also now switch views between different things as well. So I'm looking forward to trying that. I'm looking forward to CarPlay full stop in the Polestar, but I haven't tried it yet. And I will do. Uh, Hyundai are next in the news, launching a new care program called Every Care. But Every Care has the first two letters EV capitalized. Clever. Um, Every Care is designed to support the entire life cycle of the vehicle in their home market of South Korea. The program covers purchase incentives, charging, guaranteed residuals for when you sell it, and loan support. Benefits provided under Every Care include charging credits or assistance with home charging and access to charging on the go uh, to safeguard the investment of EV buyers. You're guaranteeing the residuals of used Hyundai EVs to give you peace of mind. I'm not sure how that works, but I'd like to find out. It starts today uh, with all new purchases of Arctic 5 and 6, Kona Electric as well, eligible to sign up to the Every Care program for customers choosing to sell a five, a six, or a Kona within three years and upgrading to a new Hyundai model. Uh, at the moment, the program guarantees a 55% original purchase price. We'll see how that works in practice and whether they roll it out to other countries. Now, we'll take a quick break, but when we come back, we will talk about LG's LFP cells, uh, why Europe is seeing a surge and which country is leading. And we'll talk more about the Hyundai Arnic 7 three-row vehicle. Stick around. Back in a mo. So if you heard an advert, and you might not have done, it depends on where you live, your IP address, what my host decides to insert. You may have heard one or two ads there. If you'd like to strip them out, though, uh, you can get an ad-free feed via the Patreon page, patreon.com slash evnewsdaily. Now let's talk about how EV adoption could reduce childhood asthma and infant mortality. EVs offer substantial health benefits by reducing childhood asthma attacks and infant deaths linked to exhaust pollution. Nearly 3 million childhood asthma attacks could be presented, uh, prevented through the use of EVs, showcasing their impact beyond what some people think is the typical environmental benefits of EVs. Around 27 million children in the US alone This is a US study I'm looking at. 27 million children are exposed to now harmful levels of air pollution because of vehicles. And there's increased risks from prenatal exposure as well. The idea that before we even have our kids in vitro, we are making their life worse because of the decisions that we make still blows my mind. But there we go. Um... 
state-led initiatives, particularly in California, uh, are pushing forward the transition to zero-emission vehicles, focusing on uh, truck emissions as a priority as well. We know this. We know that so many vehicles don't contribute to the worst of it. And uh, this study doesn't break down those numbers. I presented those studies to you before, where a very small amount of vehicles contribute the vast majority of pollutants, you know, working vehicles and those people who use their vehicles, an enormous amount. We've only got to get really those vehicles to zero emission as a priority, and the rest will kind of take care of itself. And uh, the shift to EVs is a crucial step in addressing health disparities. And I've talked about this for years. I've stopped doing the episode count at the beginning. I used to do, hey, well, episode 2000. And But for years, I've talked about how low-income urban areas are those that are disproportionately affected because they often live near busy roads. And the children in particularly socially disadvantaged areas, a lot of uh, black areas as well, particularly in, in the US, have much higher levels of air pollution for children. And uh, this new study, I'll pop a link in the show notes if you want to read more about this, shows what we can do with this move to zero emissions. Now, LG are next in the news, procuring cathode materials for their LFP cells, lithium iron phosphate, LFP, uh, enough to support a million EVs worth. Now, I know that is dependent on how big the battery is on the, in each EV, but uh, the agreement with uh, this Chinese company involves the supply of 160,000 tonnes of LFP cathode material over the next five years. Starting now, the supply will support EVs capable of driving you know, around 400 kilometers on a charge, that kind of size battery. Uh, that's an incredible advancement for LG, which, been, which has been behind the Chinese in terms of the LFP cells. Future supply expansions may be considered based on uh, the demands of the market, but really LFP cells are cheaper, offer so many advantages over some of the more cobalt-rich chemistries in our electric vehicles. And the deal marks LG's move into LFPs, diversifying beyond the traditional nickel Cobalt manganese, NCM, and the NCMA adding aluminium in there, uh, cathode batteries as well. The shift towards LFP, been talking about it over years on this podcast, um, is improved safety. In some cases, better performance. In some cases, uh, more convenient charging because they want to be charged to 100% so that the BMS can calibrate. LG is planning to start mass production of their LFP cells in 2025. Now, Europe is seeing a surge in their electric passenger cars. That includes the UK as well, in case I'm ever not clear. We are no longer in the European Union, but often these numbers that I present, when I say Europe, I mean kind of the Western European market, and that includes the, the UK as well. And EV sales up 30% at the beginning of the year compared to January of 2023, EV pure EV sales was 12% of all passenger car sales in Europe uh, last month in January. Volkswagen Group topped the sales chart with 258,000 vehicles sold, followed by Stellantis and Renault. That's the top three names here in Europe. Germany leading the sales of new pure EVs with 22,500 of them registered in January last month. 
a 24% increase. France following with Belgium and the Netherlands also showing big increases. The UK was a 31% increase year on year, 21,000 pure EVs registered last month. Diesel vehicle sales saw once again the most significant decline. Uh, Belgium was down 45%, Iceland, France, Spain, Italy, they're big car markets seeing diesel falling off a cliff. Uh, And you might be surprised to hear that because you've read the, the headlines in the mainstream press and you think, hang on, there is a bit of a backlash against EVs at the moment. There's, a, for some reason, a groundswell of people latching on to any negativity around EVs. Well, I can't explain that. I do know that many of these legacy media businesses need your clicks to survive. And that's why you'll see headlines like, you know, Elon Musk's Tesla's competitor BYD does this. And it's a story about BYD, but they'll somehow shoehorn the words Elon Musk's Tesla's competitor BYD is launching a new vehicle because they know that attracts people to click on that article or it works with SEO and search. And that's how these businesses make money. And maybe there are people are clicking on out of some sort of curiosity, these anti-EV stories, but I can't explain it. The raw data shows EVs in rude health. And yeah, the, the growth may have slowed in some countries, in some sectors, for some car makers, but overall story, very positive. And the vehicles just keep coming and getting better, like Hyundai with the new Arnic 7. We're going to see that in June, and it's entry into the three-row electric SUV segment built on their eGMP platform, following Arnic 5 and 6. Seven will be made at their mega plant in Georgia, where the batteries will be made as well. Uh, The $7.6 billion facility in Georgia starts operations this October, and the Arnic 7 is going to be very similar to the Kia EV9. Eight inches of ground clearance, big 100-kilowatt-hour battery, and very fast charging, 80%. 10 to 80 percent, 25 minutes, all that good stuff. Production of the Arnic 7, uh, like I say, will begin in Korea this year. And then next year, when Georgia ramps up, it'll be made there. We'll have a look for the official debut June 17th of Arnic 7. BYD introducing a revamped Dolphin, uh, the more affordable versions of their budget sedans. The refreshed Dolphin boasts new updates, new colours, and launched back in 2021 on their e-platform 3.0. They had a great January at BYD. Over 200,000 vehicles sold at BYD last month in January alone. And the Dolphin was 10% of that big price reduction to fight their competitors in China, which are seeing aggressive price reductions. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, Lotus arriving on the scene. Uh, Lotus Technology uh, has hit a $5.5 billion valuation on the NASDAQ listing. Uh, Lotus Technology publicly listed um, with $880 million raised from early investors. Lotus first went public in 1968, was acquired by General Motors in 86, and now it's back on the public markets. The company forecasts 76,000 vehicle sales in 2025, driven by the Electra, the Amaya, and the Emira, the petrol sports car. Uh, additional small electric SUVs coming to boost those sales numbers. And that is your podcast for today. Couldn't do this without all of our amazing Patreon supporters and a daily mention for our premium partners. 
Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland, and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel. Derek is one of the hardest working EV reviewers out there, always on a plane somewhere, always making brilliant videos. Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map. Do not leave home without your Electroverse map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one. See you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.